Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the book's author. It's been another great week with new subscribers from all over the U.S. and as far away as Germany and Austria. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to share this story with you. A couple of subscribers have asked me for more information about Job Trites, the main character of the story, and an ancestor of mine. Job was born in New Brunswick in 1823. His father William sought work in the railroad expansion. That brought Job's family to Ohio first when he was fairly young, and then on to Illinois and Iowa as a teen and young adult. It was in 1841 that he met Harriet Turner in DeWitt. They were married in 1842, settled on a farm in DeWitt, and began to raise their family in the years leading up to the Civil War. That's a picture of Job on the cover of the book, on the podcast, and the website. Well, that gives you just a little bit of information, but I trust that you'll get to know Job a lot better in the pages of this story. So on that note, let me bring you Episode 7 of Chronicles of War. battle seemed to progress in short spurts rather than in sustained action. The lulls offered commanders on both sides time to assess their situations. With each lull, the Union Army had made advances, but at great cost. The field was littered with the fallen. Farmers, coopers, merchants, smiths, husbands and fathers. Job couldn't imagine what life after this war would look like. During each break in the fighting, Job looked himself over as well. Nothing more than nicks and abrasions so far. The same could not be said for many of the men around him. Still, as a unit, they were poised to press on, just waiting for the next round of fire to commence. The rebels had retreated from their first line of rife pits, and they now provided cover for the men of the Iowan and Illinois regiments, the front lines of Smith's advance. Job studied the bunker, discarded effects, and spent shells. There was a blood-stained boot left behind. Someone had obviously been wounded. Job found a rope necklace in the dirt and rolled it between his fingers. It was very similar to the ones he had woven together for his children. He wondered if it had been made for the same purpose. Again, his mind turned to the cost of this war. Farmers, coopers, merchants, smiths, husbands and fathers of the South as well. How you doing, Job? William rolled in next to Job for cover. I'm here, he replied. What's next? They're fixing locations for artillery strikes. It won't be long. Theirs or ours? Job asked. Ours. It looks as if we've silenced their artillery. They're down to small arms fire for the most part. They do have some field artillery. Rolling on his back, William pointed to the far side of Fort Hinman. It's over there, I think. They can only move it with horses. Sherman's men will fire on their horses if they try. It's getting close to the end, Job. So what have you heard from the other side? Nothing, but I expect that things are progressing there just as they are here. Old Churchill is running out of options. What happens, William? How will we know when it's over? In a lull like this, we'll see a white flag, or perhaps Churchill will send out an envoy. You just listen and follow orders. We're almost done here. I've got to get over to Smith's position. I'll talk to you soon, Job. And with that, William rolled out to Job's left and was gone. 
He knew these lulls were too short to allow such a thing, but Job wished he could compose a note home just at this moment. He would tell Harriet that the victory here was in hand. He would tell her of the tremendous cost that had been paid. He would tell her that he was unscathed. He would tell her that God was good. And then he smiled. He would ask her what she remembered of the young card-playing Mr. Henderson. His thoughts were interrupted. Firing began again from the Union ironclads. Job prepared to move. At home, Harriet and the children were having lunch with Parson Wentworth and his family. The parson had just begun his ministry in DeWitt, and as such, he didn't know the men of the community who were fighting to quell the rebellion. Mrs. Trites, tell me about your husband Job, he asked. Harriet proudly replied, He's the finest Christian I know, parson. And he has red hair like me, seven-year-old Ryle chimed in. Parson Wentworth chuckled. Nancy Ann quickly raised her fingers to shush her little brother. She had been taught manners. Children don't interject into adult conversation. Addressing Ryle, the parson asked with a wink, Which do you suppose it is, son, that your father has red hair like you, or that you have red hair like your father? Yes, a confused Ryle answered. Everyone in the room laughed. Parson, evidently emboldened by his younger brother's foray into the conversation, Lewis spoke up. Is God on Mr. Lincoln's side in this cause? After a pause, the parson waded in. God is on the side of liberty, son. And yes, I believe that is Mr. Lincoln's side of this cause. But God is also on the side of life. He has as much interest in the lives of the men we call rebels as he does in the lives of our own men. And for that reason, son, I believe the Almighty grieves over this conflict. Sensing that Lewis and the others in the room hadn't grasped his point, he continued, Do you recall the hymn that we sang this morning, Brethren, we have met to worship? There's a line in that hymn with which we proclaim, Let us love our God supremely, let us love our brothers too. How do you suppose it is that we have brothers on two sides of a conflict, each believing that God is on their side? Now drawn beyond her manners, Nancy Ann spoke up and in a very frank tone, I'm afraid that I don't understand, Parson, how a God-fearing man could be on the other side of this cause. That's enough, children, Harriet intervened. The Parson is entitled to his opinion. Oh, it's more than opinion, Mrs. Trites. It's the good book. Seeming to ignore Parson Wentworth, Harriet spoke past him. Lewis, Almighty God is very much on Mr. Lincoln's. And turning to make eye contact with the Parson, emphasized and on your father's side of this cause. Sensing Harriet's discomfort with the setting, he quickly agreed, Yes, God is caring for your father, children. The order was given to the Army of the Mississippi to advance. As Job and the others rose to their feet, the small arm fire began again. Job was able to see the enemy clearly now, just a hundred or so yards away. He also saw the mass of Union soldiers pressing forth. They were innumerable. They spanned the entire field. He could see all but one of Fort Hinman's big guns were silent. Only a small amount of rebel field pieces were still firing. The advance was massive, but eerily quiet. So hushed was the setting that as rebel shots hit their mark and Union soldiers fell, their cries and agony echoed across the field. Still, the lines moved forward. For as many as fell, replacements stepped into their place. 
The rebels dispatched a battery of harnessed artillery to the center of Fort Hinman's defenses. Job watched as it unfolded, just as William had foreseen. Sherman's mounted company moved to the Union center and at once opened fire on the rebels' horses. The shrieks of the huge animals as they buckled under their loads, succumbing to their wounds, would not leave the men who heard it. The Union forces continued their advance. Surely it won't be long now, Job thought to himself. Still, men to Job's left and to his right continued to fall. There were no signs of surrender or retreat as of yet. Thank you for your hospitality this afternoon, Parson. Harriet smiled at the round-faced gentleman and his wife as they stood in the doorway of the parsonage. I hope that you'll not mind our disagreement earlier. I've come to hold on to the hope that the Almighty is indeed in this cause, if for no other reason than as an assurance in the face of my husband's absence. I understand, the parson nodded. No, I don't suppose that you can, parson, but I do appreciate your trying. This concludes Episode 7 of Chronicles of War. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast and for tuning in to listen each week. As always, if you're enjoying the story, please tell others about it. Help me get the word out. Please stop by my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com. Drop me an email or leave a comment or review. Let me know who you are and where you're from. I look forward to making your acquaintance. Please know that it is my privilege to share this story with you each week. Until next time, I'm Darren Michael Shaw. Blessings.